to talk to you about maybe what I love most, and it's the big book, the Bible. And I'm here to tell you that I always remember when I was growing up in my, my Pentecostal background, they say if you, if you only talk the word, the word, the word, the word, if you only talk the word, you're going to get a big head. And if you only talk prayer, 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 you're going to float away. And I used to listen to these people. What they were trying to say is you need balance. But uh, the only thing I could see was the phenomenal of the big head and a body floating away somewhere in space. And so I, I didn't quite grasp what they were trying to tell me. Uh, but through the years, I've understood with the good Lord, we need, we need the balance of the word and we need the balance of a life. We need the body of an experience. We need the balance of an experience and an acceptance. And so I'd like to tell you in segments, very small and short segments, the importance of the word. Now listen to me clearly today, and if you don't hear it too clear, buy a tape on your way out. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, you, 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 could, you could be nasty enough to charge it to me for that matter. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is, is sometimes you don't grasp something that was said, and when you take a tape, you kind of hear it and rehear it, and, uh, and it becomes a lot clearer in your mind and that way, in what you can use it for. Everything that pertains to successful living is a concern to God, and he has made provision for it. In other words, God does not set aside poverty as a special punishment for humanity. And that's why when we take vows of poverty or vows uh, in which we inflict on ourselves uh, times of pressure, times of pain, times of sorrow, you see, that is not biblical. You know why it's not biblical? Because it comes with life. You don't have to take a vow of poverty. One of these days, you'll know what it is to be poor. You say, oh, Sister Amy, don't, don't even say it. All right, I won't say it. Make believe I didn't say it. But the truth of the matter is that God is interested in our life. The Apostle Paul says it. The Old Testament says it. It reeks with prosperity in terms of what God wants for us. God wants us to be blessed. God wants us to prosper. God wants us to be successful. We are the image of God. We are formed in his image. We are created in his image. And everything nice and everything beautiful and everything that's delightful and everything that can be appreciated in us is really the touch of God in our lives. Because sin has tried to twist that. Sin has tried to turn that. Sin has tried to to just make us a mess. And this is why it's so important to realize and to get close to understanding 
what it is that God wants with our lives. God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. Now, I've got to say something else to you that will probably blow your minds away. Prosperity is not in dollars and cents. Prosperity starts with the soul and the spirit. I know a lot of rich people that have some sick spirits. If you haven't met a few, I will be glad to introduce them to you. People that have everything and they're so nasty, they are so sick, they are so turned off to life, yet they have everything. You kind of look at them and you have the psalmist's expression in the 73rd Psalm where he says, these fat cats, they have everything. We suffer, we strain, we have sorrow, we have pain. And look at them. They go on like they have everything. And he's getting mad at God. Because he's trying to say to God, you've given them everything. Like Satan said to God about Job. You gave him everything. No wonder he serves you. Folks, listen to me carefully. And listen to me from the bottom of my heart to your heart. Everything that pertains to successful living is a concern to God, and he's made provision for it. The only thing we have to understand is that with God's provision, there is also an essence, a law, and it has to go that way because that's the way God is. And what is that law? What is that essence? Set priorities, first things first. And once you get in the Bible, you're going to find out that God is first. And you say, well, I've got a family. I've got a husband. I've got a wife. I've got children. I've got a business. I've got everything. What do, you, what do you mean God goes first? Just that. God goes first. He's got to go first. So that whatever comes out of you is touched by him. Whatever flows from you has received from him. So that whatever connection you make with anybody else or everybody else around you, yes, there will be bad days. Don't talk to me about them. Have I ever been ugly? Oy, 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 oy. I have to censor that. I, I, can't, I can't even go on record. I don't even want you to hear it on tape. Have I failed any? Woo, ni hablar. del peluquín, bendito sea. I can't even be talked about. Can't even be talked about. But you see, we're not talking about success at its max. We're not talking about perfection at its max. We're not talking about comforts of life at its max. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about everything that pertains to your life. God wants to be about it so that he can make you successful. Sister, does that mean I'll be on the stock market? Not necessarily so. I, I, I'm so funny. Uh, you know, at the end of all the radio broadcasts, when they tell you uh, how the Amex did, and then they tell you how NASDAQ did, and then they tell you how, and they do it now by arrows, so you don't even have to figure out the numbers. If the arrows are going down, they lost. If the arrows are going up, they won. Uh, I, I still don't understand. That's not, that's not the stock market, so don't go by my stock market because you really won't even know what you're talking about. But I'm simply telling you, everything becomes so important to this world simply because 
we've come to the conclusion that prosperity, that ultra-successfulness, that being the big shot in the big place is the most important thing. It's what runs the minds of the singers. It's what runs the minds of the gifted and talented people. It what, it's what runs the minds of so many people. I was just listening to the radio and there are stars, there are female stars that are getting now over 16 million to just star in a picture. And then they asked her the dumbest question in the world. How do you feel about that? Isn't that stupid? What is she going to say? Well, I'm not really satisfied. <laughs> no. She says, I'm glad. I'm very glad. And I hope that what's happening to me opens up to many females in the business. Because you see, this is the way we calculate life. You say, but Sister Amy, life is numbers. No. No, life is not numbers. Life is not numbers. Life is connections. That's what life is. You say, well, connection with the numbers. No, no. Connection with God. That's the most important thing. So remember, whatever pertains to your happiness, whatever pertains to you becoming successful, and, and, and it, it is a concern of God. Yes, God wants you to prosper. How do you like that? And many of us don't prosper because we're just too lazy. Yeah, do you realize there are people not making more money because they're lazy? Do you realize there are people because they're not good stewards? They walk in and they're sloppy and they do anything they want on the job and they hang out and they look and you'd say, oh, I, I don't know why I don't, I don't know why I'm not getting promoted this year. Promoted. Find a shaft and put him in it. No, no. Listen to me. Like I started off, we can be our worst, worst enemies. We, we, we don't need enemies. We've got enough going on inside of us to cancel us out. But let's go on and think. In the book of Proverbs, one of the books of the big book, in the book of Proverbs, we're taught the sanctity of human life. And that's what the Proverbs are all about. The Proverbs are just nuggets of wisdom on how to live. Nuggets of wisdom of what's right. And nuggets of wisdom of why people fail. Do you realize that the book of Proverbs, listen, they hit quite a few things, but there's nothing they hit harder than the lazy man. Isn't that amazing? Did you have, have you read it? I'm sure you have, if you're reading Proverbs. It's the man that the grass grows all around his house till they cover the house. And he's still inside, and he still doesn't know how high the grass is. Isn't that interesting? It's the man that sleeps through the harvest. Then later on he's looking for food. It's the man that didn't go out and plant the seed when he should have. He was partying. Do you hear me, folks? I love the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs is good. You, look, you read into the book of Proverbs and it, it, it fills you. It's so, it's so precious. It's got, it's got a theme for everything. But it's a slap in the face. Almost in each chapter, we're beaten to a pulp. And it's so interesting because God intended those Proverbs to be what gives us life. 
You say, but you know, Sister Amy, a lot of those men that wrote, they failed. A lot of those men that wrote, they committed horrible sins. A lot of those men that wrote, they're a mess. Hey, let me share something with you and listen to me carefully. The gift is from God. And God gives his gift to people like you and me. Isn't that something? And can I tell you something else? Once he gives it, he never takes it away. If I gave you a gift and you didn't use it right, I would go up to you and say, ah, give it back to me. Because that's the way I am, not God. His gifts are without recall. That's why there are people out there doing things, and they're not right with God, and yet they're getting away with it. And it's working out for them. And you say to me, but Sister Remy, why doesn't God cut them down? Because God is not you and God is not me. You see, what God is interested in a life is in the long haul. He's not interested. In, yes, he is interested in today. But he gives us enough rope to save ourselves or enough rope to hang ourselves. But you make the choice. Oh, God help us. In the book of Proverbs you'll find out that life is God's gift to you. Yes. How does it start off, the first chapter, when the kids, when the fellas, when the buddies say, hey, come on, join us. We, we, we're into something interesting. We rob people, we push them down, we get them. When the caravans go by and they've got jewels and they've got everything, hey, we hit on them and then we take it and then we go someplace quiet and we divvy up the spoils. And what does the proverb say? Young men, don't listen to them. Flee from them. Run away. Every invitation for the detrimental, run away from it. You see, that's why sometimes when we have, uh, we have little slogans that sound so dopey, so dumb, uh, say no to drugs. You say, huh? The only reason they picked it up is because the president's wife said it. Had I said it, nobody would ever written it. But yet, listen to the wisdom. Say no to drugs. There is, there is a capability within the human life to say no. You either exercise it or you just let it go right by. But remember this, whatever you don't exercise will boomerang and hit you right in the face. Why? Because life is that way. Whatever a man sows this, he shall reap. It's not my plan. It's not your plan. And as parents, we don't want it to happen to our children. But it has nothing to do with whose children or whose children. It has to do with the law of God. What a man sows, this he shall reap. Now, you've got to forgive me. I am kind to some people because I want them to be kind to me. Oh, sister! That's ulterior motives. You better believe it. But that ulterior motive is found in God's word because it's not ulterior. It's God letting you know that you got to choose for yourself and every now and then you've got to make up your mind. What is it you want? You know, when I, when I read do unto others as you want them to do unto you, I go bonkos. I think of the waitresses, I'm the best tipper in the world. Why? Because I don't know who from my church is waiting on a table. I don't know who from my family is waiting on a table. That's the that's fun I have with Joe. I bust dishes. 
I worked in Honenhara. I used to fill the machines. Oh, it was such fun. You put your nickels in, take out apple pie, and I'd wait till you were through, and then I'd swish it around and put in a new pie, ready for the rest of the nickels. I tell you this, to simply tell you that life will always be something you've got to work at. Life will always be something you must determine. But let me tell you this. We have to understand the sanctity of life. We must understand that. We must understand the sanctity of life and that your life is God's gift to you. And that's why the book of Proverbs tells you how God wants you to do it. When God wants you to do it. The book of Proverbs gives you a timing. And I love it. I love it. I read the book of Proverbs and I see things there. I studied it for 10 years in Bedford Hills Correctional Facility. And I'll tell you how I did it. We got the new, the Bibles, uh, the living Bibles. It was a gift from Tyndale House when they first came out. I'm talking 1974, 75. And they sent to Bedford Hills, the grant was given to the Assemblies of God, and the Assemblies of God sent it to Bedford Hills, wherever they had a chaplain. And listen to this. I had the opportunity of teaching the book of Luke and the book of Proverbs out of the Living Bible. Do you know how many times I told my women, ill-gotten goods bring no blessing. Ill-gotten goods will never help. Ill-gotten goods. It's in there. It's in there. 10, 15, 20, 25 times in every chapter of Proverbs, somewhere in there, God wedges a word on ill-gotten goods. Sister Amy, what's ill-gotten goods? Well, whatever you steal, whatever you sell overpriced, I mean way overpriced. Whatever you do in life, like some, some ladies used to sit with me in prison and say, well, listen, sister, if you say that our drug selling is a God, God frowns on it, what about those that make bottles? And I, I knew she was climbing up a wrong tree, but I'll go with you. What bottles, honey? Whiskey bottles. Isn't that just as wrong? What about those that sell whiskey? What about? And she went into all of, all, all of the detrimental things and all of the things she liked most in life. Okay? And she said to me, how, how do you think you're going to? No. No, look. I am not a one-man army. And the beautiful thing of it is I can't tell you what to do. I can only instruct you at what the word says. I can't tell you not to do it. Selling drugs is quite uh, a good amount of money gained. And you say, well, like the girl, let me finish that conversation. Like the girl would say to me, and she'd look at me, and she'd say, well, somebody's got to do it, and we do it. And then she'd look at me, and she'd say, do you think I'm going back to a sweatshop for $80 a week? when in a drop I can make 1500 Do you think I'm going back? And she'd mention all the different activities that were involved and how lucrative they were. 
And since money's what makes this world go round, we kind of justify that if money is involved, if money is involved, well, it justifies the situation. I've got to feed my children, I've got to feed this, I've got to pay rent, I have to have this, I have to have that. Well, this is the means. No, the word of God says, nunca, never, now or ever. How do you like that? You say, Sister Amy, I never saw that in the Bible. Check out the book of Proverbs and check it out in the Living Bible. Because sometimes the, the, the Proverbs are like King James Proverbs. We didn't live them then. And we have Proverbs that fit it to this day exactly. And once again, your life is God's gift to you. Don't stain it. Don't misuse it. Don't think that you've got to compete for the successes in this world. I'd rather die on poverty road, but connected to God and with my hand in hand. And let me tell you something. I won't die on poverty road. You know why I won't die? Because I will trust his word. And his word says that he will not withhold any good thing from them that walk uprightly. He will not withhold. Well, sister, he's withholding plenty on me. No, he's not. The only thing is that when he gives you a return, he makes sure you're ready for it. You're steady for it. You're strong for it. And isn't he good? I love him. I love him. You know, some babies are sick and you've got to just feed them with little eyedroppers. And every now and then God's got to give us just an eyedropper of joy and goodness. Why? Because we couldn't take more if we tried. And you know what I've told God? Lord, I don't want anything that will distract me from your road and from your way and from communicating to others exactly what you've said in your word. Now, I want to tell you something. God has no abused children, not in that which pertains to him. So don't even, don't even sit there. Don't even sit there and think Oh, God's so unfair to these people, and God's so unfair to those people. First of all, God is never unfair. When you see lives being torn apart, when you see babies with big bellies, when you see buildings being bombed and shelled, when you see people laid out and dying of hunger or cholera, whatever it might be, I've got something to tell you. And listen to me carefully. If you don't agree, hey, I'll meet you in the back there. We'll talk. I have no problems with that. Every ill, every negative, every pain and every sorrow that earth contains was not what God gave in the garden. God gave in the garden life. Yes, he did. And he also gave liberty. And you say, liberty? He told them if they eat that, it's over. Yes, he did say that. One tree, but guess what? They had a whole garden of 9,000 or more trees. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Listen to me carefully. When there's a choice, God gives you a bigger one. That's why you can't sit there and complain about God. You can't sit there and say, he failed me. You failed yourself and we fail ourselves when we don't make the word live in us. You say, sister, that's not so easy. You don't go through what I go through. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We'll talk. 
Do you realize there isn't anybody here that isn't suffering? Do you realize that sitting in this congregation there isn't anybody with a pain so deep they can't even reveal it? Do you realize there are some people here that the insides are quivering? We don't even know where their pain is and we don't even understand it. We're all in the same state. But that's why his word comes forth and says, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. I will be by your side. I do not want you to miss out on the best. I do not want you to be derailed. I do not want to. And when we are, we derail ourselves. Oh, there's such justification sometimes in our wickedness. There's such Christian pride that's killing us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you mean Christian pride that's killing us? Sometimes we feel what we're doing is right. And what our spouse or our buddy boy, they're not right. And so we go on with the horrendous justification that because we feel they're wrong, we can treat them real wrong. Do you hear me? No way. No way. The law stands tall. I must love. But suppose you don't get anything in return. I do. Because you see, I don't love this way. I love this way. I have nothing to give this way. I am not a fountain of anything. Unless it flows from the throne room of God. Unless it flows from his heart. Unless his spirit sends it to my heart. Then only can I reach out. But when we're not connected, we're in trouble. He said, when I read the word and it does nothing for me, well, keep reading it until it does. Because it will. It is his word. And it will happen. I said God has no abused children in that which pertains to him. You say, well, well what about the kids with the big bellies? What about the bombs? What about the wars? What about, what about? Guess who created them? You and me. Not me. I'm not there but people like you and me, just like you and me. Fractions at war, fractions that determine that they are going to make it. Doesn't matter the price. Doesn't matter the price. Have you ever fought that way? I don't care what. They're gonna know where I'm at. Ay ay ay. Well, when you don't care, you're not in touch with God because God cares. He cares for all of us. He cares. You say, well, sister, you know, if we followed what you said, we'd end up somewhere behind the eighth ball. Because it, 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 it just, there are times that it doesn't work out the way you say. It always does. Ay, bendito. If it were my proverbs, if it were my sayings, if it were my sermons, if it were my teaching, I would say, hey, can it? Throw it away. But it's not mine. It's not mine. It's his word. A word that has endured down through the ages. A word that was given to Moses, write it down. A word that was told to the men of old, write it down. Things that were hidden, things that were placed in mountains and in caves. Uh, things that were stirred, stored in jars. And, and centuries went by and they weren't even found. Why? Because God had them there for his time. And isn't it marvelous? Everything else has failed, but his word has not. And what I love about it is it's not in hieroglyphics. Because some people say, oh, 
but before, before the word, we had the Rosetta Stone, and before the word, we had hieroglyphics, and before the word, we had, we had, we had, we had, we had. How many have been saved by hieroglyphics? How many have been healed by the Rosetta Stone? Come on, give me a break, won't you please? Now, what happens? Sister Amy, why can't I live in the fullness of what God has for me? Well, first of all, our lack of wisdom causes our fiascos. Not to know what to do. Not to know what to do. That's why I turn to the Word of God. You don't know what to do. Go to the Word of God. You say, Sister Amy, you keep telling us to go to the Bible. Yeah. Because it's the Bible that you have with you all the time. It's the Word of God that's there. It's the Bible that will sustain you. People won't. We have a habit of failing everybody that's around us. We have a habit of not coming through sometimes. We have a habit of passing people by and sometimes you don't even know you passed them by. And they're hurt. And sometimes you don't want to talk to them. And they're right. Oh, God help us, folks. Our lack of wisdom causes our fiascos. Where can I get wisdom? Can I, can I, can I buy it? Can I find it? Can I, uh, Sister Amy, where can I get wisdom? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's where it starts. That's why the people that are smart in their philosophies, the people that are smart in their ideologies, the people that are smart in their concepts of life, the people that the world thinks it's smart, it, 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 hey, come on, it doesn't work. The only thing that works is the Word of God. And let me tell you something, any, any other thing that sounds good, read it carefully, and I'm sure you'll find a nugget of God's Word in there. I've read books and, you know, uh, there are so many good books. There is one that was on the bestseller list for over 20 years, and it's probably still there, The Road Least Traveled. But go through that book. Go through it. Uh, flip the pages. The concepts are not his concepts. The concepts are biblical concepts. The only thing is that people don't read the Bible and they read his book and think he's the Bible. No way. No way. Truth cometh from the Creator, our Lord and our God. And another thing, not only do we, not only do we lack wisdom, not only do we lack wisdom and, and cause fiascos in our lives, but because we don't know word. We don't depend on God as we should. I, I love when people have breakthrough in the word. I love when people come and say, Sister Amy, I was going through this problem. I was going through this pain. I was going through this sorrow. And look, look, look. And they bring their Bible and they'll show me a verse and say, God spoke to me here. Oh, what a beautiful verse. Exactly what the person needed. He said, oh, I was, I was at the end of my rope. I was nearly dying. And I opened it up and there it was. She might never have gotten to the end of her rope had that book been a daily staple. We make a lot of mistakes because we don't know what's in there. We don't know what's in there. We don't know God's basic laws. 
Did you know that God's basic law is love? You say, oh, come on, get off of it. This is a dog-eat-dog world, and when you get out there, forget love. No, don't ever forget love. When I talk about love, I'm not talking about melkocha. I'm not talking about molasses. When I talk about love, I'm not talking about mamby-pamby, that's not love. That's not love. It's a love that when you meet somebody you could hate with all of your system, the word of God shoots up within you and says, love them. And you brace yourself because the only thing that has taken off are the fireworks of hate. And God is telling you, love them. And you say, well, sister, it's not easy for me. Well, when God says love them, he doesn't mean embrace them. He doesn't mean kiss them. He doesn't mean go and eat at his or her house for the next three weeks. That, that, that's not what he means. He simply means straighten out your heart. Would you do that? Straighten out your heart. Love starts in your heart. Before there, there is ever an expression, before there's ever an extended hand, before there's ever an embrace, before there is ever a moment of confession or a moment of forgive me, before that, it's got to settle in you. And then when it settles and it becomes a part of you, when it runs to the marrow of your bones, then you can do it. And you don't, then you don't even have to prove it. You don't have to prove it because that experience is your beginning. You don't have to trace your steps backward. That's your new beginning. That's where it starts. We must depend on God. And you can't depend on God unless you know what you're depending on. It's the word of God that will show you how to depend on God. He will tell you. He will tell you. He will speak to your heart. He will fill your heart. Tuesday night, we had a message in tongues. And I sat up here reading the petitions that had come in. And I bowed my head to wait for an interpretation. And the Spirit of God said to me, you interpret. And I thought to myself, me? You see, I had nothing in my head. Nothing, nothing was flowing. And the whisper of the Holy Ghost was so precious. Those that wait upon the Lord will be renewed. Those, and from there, ah. Oh, it's all the scripture of Isaiah 40, all the promises of the word of God. It, those that wait upon the Lord, how in your tears, in your sorrow, in your pain, in your anguish, in your anger. Oh, Sister Amy, can I, can I wait on the Lord when I'm angry? Best time in the world. The steam is coming out of here. And you are and you're ready to tell somebody something you've never told them in all their life. How do you like that? Then you close your eyes and say, God, help me. And you know what? You get a little weak because surrender makes you weak. When I hear people blasting their mouth off, when I hear people telling God how wrong he is, when I feel people uh, just justifying everything they do wrong, ah, uh, ain't nothing in there because when God... 
moves inside. Can I tell you something? You get mighty numb. You get mighty numb. Now, let me share this with you. How can I get to be the Christian that God would have me to be? How can I get the wisdom you're talking about? How can I depend on God? I want to. Well, it all comes. You need a plan, and I love this. We need a plan for trust. We need a plan for faith. We need a plan for dependency. Oh, yeah. And the plan we need is totally found in the Word of God, in the Scriptures. That's where it's found. Folks, I've got to tell you a secret about the Word of God. And maybe only once before in my life I've shared this, and I'll share it with you this morning, because it's a special day. And I'll tell you what. I don't suffer from many depressions. I don't, I don't have time, do you hear me? Depressions are a luxury. Do you hear me? Yeah, like the sign the little secretary has, I'm going through a depression, uh, a, a nervous breakdown, and please don't bother me because I really deserve this one at this time. Okay? Uh, but I've got to tell you something. Uh, very few, very few depressions. I have got to share with you that very few times I feel like the world is caving in. Very few times. I've had experiences of being very ashamed of having done something I shouldn't have done. Uh, I've had remorse, I've had repentance. And I take care of it just the way the Word tells me to take care of it. But there came a moment where I felt that God had kind of let me down. I was his faithful servant. I've done nothing but preach since I was 13 years old. I kind of felt God, hey, he owed me one. Do you understand? I gave you everything. Now what are you going to give me at this time? Yes, I was married. I had a husband and I had four children. And I was going through agony. So don't think the pretty picture leaves you out of the sorrow or trouble. I had the best picture in the world what you see on the outside. My spirit caved in within me. That's why when people say, you don't really know what it is to be depressed, I said, look, I know it so well that I never mention it. I know it so well that I never mention it because if it's really a depression, it's a horrible experience. And let me tell you where, where my carnality led me in my depression. I took an aversion to the Bible. Well, you could almost see the enemy working there. That's my tool. That's, that's my lifeline. That's what I, not only do I, is it my mode of vivendum, but it's my mode of spirit. I, I couldn't read the Bible. I couldn't go near it. He said, well, Sister Amy, didn't you, didn't you ever, uh, didn't you do what you tell us to do? Superimpose yourself. I didn't. I just sat there. And my, my important part was that nobody should see me. No, nobody should know how embarrassing a depressed preacher, a depressed evangelist, a depressed chaplain. Oh no, hide it. 
You know how. No, I didn't know how. But I sure found out how. And there I was. There I was. Never looked at the Bible. Sister Amy, how long did that last? Maybe a month. I don't know. Time-wise, I don't know. I just know my pain. I just know my sorrow. I just know my disappointment. I just felt that God was treating me like the last child on the totem pole. And if he had time, he'd come back to me. And I sat there and sulked in my soup. Because let me tell you, depression is a tremendous pity party. Oh, it's tremendous. It's so delightful. You can think of everybody that's never done you good. You can think of anybody that's ever looked at you wrong. You can think of anybody that you felt should have helped you and never helped you. Oh, yeah. And there you soak it. It's, 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 like, a, it's like a river. It's, 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 like a, it's, it's like a mud bath. And when I was sitting right in the middle of my mud bath, over a month, not looking at the word, and over a month, I just sat there, and I said, I need help. I want to tell you what happened, because it may happen to you. As I sit at, sat at my lowest point, all of a sudden, I got a spiritual <gasps> hiccup. Spiritual hiccup. And all of a sudden, from the innermost parts of my belly, the word of God started to rise. It was hundreds and hundreds of Bible verses, words, situations, and they rose like when you speak tongues, you don't know what you're speaking. You don't sit there and say, this is the way it's going to go now. This is, no, no, no. It was like tongues. And the word of God kept coming out and out and out. And I was vomiting. Bible. It cleansed my mind. It cleansed my heart. It cleansed my spirit. And I sat up and realized, it's over. Too weak to announce victory. Too weak to applaud myself, because it wasn't me. Too weak to simply say, hey, I made it. No, too weak for any of that. I just sat there, and then I understood the power of the word of God when you keep it in your heart when you most need it it will rise up like a fountain of living water it will embody your mind and it will embody your soul it will cover you and the truth of that word will make you a giant but you come out feeling like an ant but that's okay. I share this with you because we need a plan. You never know when you're going to be hit with whatever you're going to be hit. But if your prayer life is in order, you say, Sister Amy, what do you mean by my prayer life in order? That isn't even in order. Yes, make it in order. Try talking to God all day long. 
But give them segments. Give them segments of your day. Get up a little early. Go to bed a little later. And keep your word with you. Those little, those little New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs, look in my books, look in my pocketbooks. You'll always find. Why? Because when there's a red light, when there's a stop, when there's a, 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 a when anything, I just want the word. I don't want anything but the word. It's the one that takes you out of the pot. It's the one that blesses you. It's the one that feeds your soul. Prayer, the word of God. Enough quiet times to hear from him. Now listen to this, folks, and listen to me carefully. God doesn't shout. He doesn't yell. And God never says, yo. He doesn't. God just speaks to our hearts. I want you people to become the strongest people in the world where your Christianity doesn't depend on what kind of entertainment we're brewing here, that your Christianity doesn't depend on the preacher and her word, that your Christianity doesn't depend on the activities and what a nice place this is to be. No, no, no. That your Christianity depends on the power, the force, the strength, the glory, the intensity of the word of God. Oh, sister, sister, sometimes I think that God, God doesn't even listen to me because I pick up my Bible and I even have a sourpuss when I pick it up. When you pick it up, I don't care what kind of puss you have. Just pick it up. Do you hear me? We want emotion. Oh, I love that. That's another one of our failures. We want emotion. We want to feel everything. We want to sense it. We, 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 we want something very powerful. That's why we love manifestations. That's why we love the gifts of the Spirit. Because there's a moment there. there there's, a, there's, a, there's a power. There's an, a, an electrical current going. And it is. It's from God and it's from His Spirit. And there's nothing wrong with it. But that's what we want. But you know what God wants? The stillness of your spirit locked up with Him. When in an elevator and you're all alone, you cry out, God, touch me, help me. When you're being tempted, you men, by a beautiful body, and sometimes we're not so beautiful. Yeah, we're so carnal, it doesn't need beauty anymore. That at that moment, you could say, God, not for me, but for you, okay, let's go. And that's the way it goes. When we feel we could curse somebody out, and you decide, no way, no way. Lord, for you, not for me. Folks, I want you to get lost in the Word of God. I want you to get lost in the book. I want you to make it your life. I want you to read it intensely. I want you to know that every word in there is for you and that God has a plan and the plan is narrated in his glorious book. He will take you where you've never been before. He will walk with you and never leave thee nor forsake you. He will make you a river of living water for your children, for your friends, for your job. People will say, hey, what's with you? Don't give him a sermon, you'll spoil it. Just say, I thank the Lord because he's with me and walk away. And that's all that counts. Promise me, folks, that you'll understand that God has a plan for your life, a plan of success, a plan of power, a plan of healing. Would you trust him for that? Would you trust God? Get a hold of your Bible and don't stop reading. Don't stop reading. It will. You see, it's the only book with resurrection power. It's the only book that can rise up within you 
and fill your mind. You see, Sister Amy, I have such trouble memorizing. Well, when you get older, you can't memorize. But read it. It will fill your being. 